Hello, hello, good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino, here to bring you what really matters. Um, and I wanted to dive right into things uh, in this podcast, talking about a couple of things, a couple of events that have gone on recently. And uh, I wanted to bring my opinion on them to light. Perhaps you'll agree, perhaps you'll disagree. Um, in any case, I do hope that the things that I say uh, provoke a kind of bit of, um, you know, a, a bit of soul searching, uh, that you're going to look into it, that you might be interested in approaching things from a different perspective. One of the greatest compliments that I've ever had in my teaching career, those of you who have listened before know that I, I am an educator, I'm, I teach, um, one of the great compliments I've ever gotten was um, a young man's father said, you know, um, my son comes home and at the dinner table, you know, he's constantly bringing up things that you've talked about in class. And I just want you to know for the record, I don't really agree with you on most of them. But what's great is that my son is actually coming home and throwing this stuff out there and we're having these debates during dinner, these discussions. Now, for the record, if you are a young uh, man or woman listening to me right now, if, you, if, you're, if you're under 18 and you live at home, um, <laughs> or if you are over 18 and you live at home and would be in quite a bit of a fix if uh, you, you couldn't live at home all of a sudden. I'm not telling you to go out there. I'm not encouraging going out there and intentionally bringing up divisive issues. Um, that's, that's not the way that you have a, a, a happy family dinner. Um, <clears throat> what I am suggesting, though, is that um, it, there is a place for the discussion of these issues. There's a, there are times and places when you can bring things up. Um, if you're a student listening to this, awesome. You know, bring these issues up in school uh, to your parents. Don't, you know, bring them up in a respectful fashion. Don't go after them. Uh, you know, that's for later. Um, when you get older like me and, you know, you can afford to just throw things out there on the table. Um, but, you know, it's great to have these discussions. And I think that one of the reasons I bring up the topics I bring up is because um, I want us to have these honest discussions uh, in, in the world today, in America, in the world, wherever you are, I will guarantee you that at least a few of the things I'm talking about in my podcast are very relevant. And therefore, um, it's something that can cause people to, to have to defend their arguments. Uh, we have so precious little of that these days. So anyway, I'm going to jump right in here and talk about something completely non-controversial to start stuff off. The Second Amendment, mass shootings, and gun control. There was your joke for the day. All right, so um, in the last couple of weeks, we've had several mass shootings in the United States. And uh, as we are, as the saying goes, going to press here, there have been a few other uh, stopped mass shootings, at least three from what I was uh, seeing earlier today. Um, we are the only country in the world where this happens regularly. It has happened in other countries. Yes, there's no question about it. Um, one of the biggest, the most recent, the Christchurch shooting in New Zealand, a horrific event. Um, but the United States is really the only place where it's kind of, I mean, you know, it, it's almost like, wow, it's been a while since our last mass shooting. That's not something you should really be thinking about. You know, you should be thinking it's been a while since our last family vacation. But, um, 
but we do have these mass shootings and dozens of people end up dying. Um, I'm going to be fairly brief about it, and I'm just going to say the following uh, with resor- as regards gun control. The Sandy Hook massacre where little children were massacred in their classroom, where a sociopath went in with a, a gun and massacred these little children, their teachers trying in vain to throw their bodies over them in the hopes that they could at least spare a few of them. After that, that's really the moment when, to me at least, and to several other people I've talked to, it became very clear. If we could not use these 20-odd cold children's bodies as the spark to enact gun control nothing else will. I don't care how many nightclubs are shot up. I don't care how many uh, events in in parts of the country, uh, you know, schools. At that point, I was like, you know what? Nothing is going to change here. Nobody is really willing to take the steps that would be needed to ban assault rifles, to ban these kinds of things. I mean, I, you know, my opinion on the Second Amendment has always been It was great at the time because, again, when you go back to the late 1700s when the Second Amendment became part of the Constitution, the idea was that, uh, you know, a well-regulated militia was necessary for the defense, the people's right to bear arms, blah, blah, blah. The bottom line is that at that time period, the government might be able to put together an army to oppress the people. The army would be equipped with what? Muskets, okay? maybe some field artillery, uh, but that wasn't really the deciding factor, and maybe some cavalry on the side, if you really want to get all very, you know, I know there are people that, well, maybe it speaks to my friends, there are people that be like, don't forget the cavalry. Okay, so you've got muskets. Now, if you have 5,000 government soldiers with muskets, you could theoretically get hundreds of militia armed with the same weapons that could conduct hit-and-run attacks, that could fight off you know, with the exception of engaging in pitched battle, could fight off government troops. Today, you have no chance of fighting off the government, okay? Stop with this whole, oh, it's for the defense of liberty. If the government decided tomorrow they wanted to arrest everyone whose first name was Anthony, okay, and they sent the military in, uh, there would be no hope. Yeah, okay, you've got your AR-15, you've got your Bushmaster, that's great, They will send the military, they have tanks, they have drones, they have aircraft. I'm not saying they would, but I'm saying that there is literally, at this point, no real reason for the argument that this is to fight off an oppressive government. You want to have guns to go hunting, you want to have guns for home protection, Uh, okay, I have arguments against that. I mean, you know, I'm a vegetarian, so I don't go hunting. Um, and, uh, you know, as far as, um, you know, home protection, um, I don't think guns are terribly useful in that case, uh, either for a variety of reasons, but we'll, we'll get to that at another point when I want to do something special on that. The bottom line is that, uh, you know, in the United States, we have come to the following, um, kind of conclusion. Uh, enough people in this country are dedicated to making sure that everyone has the right to carry around uh, an assault rifle. 
um, that can kill dozens of people in one fell swoop. And that's what's going to happen. It's not going to change. Uh, if it was going to change, like I said, it would have changed several years ago when we had the Sandy Hook massacre. Uh, today, it's just kind of the cost of doing business. It's like with automobiles. If you really wanted to make cars safe and have no roadside fatalities, you would say, okay, no car can go more than five miles an hour and they all have to have huge rubber plush bumpers on them. That's not what we do. We, we deal with the fact that this is just the price that we pay for having cars that can get us from point A to point B at a reasonable time. It's the same thing with guns. For better or worse, we are a gun-toting country. Um, many of us are against it, but it's not going to change. So let's instead really try and focus on um, making sure that when people are expressing ideas about shooting stuff up, which a lot of these people have in the past, that we go after them and and you know, make sure that we stop them before it happens. Um, I'm going to move on to tariffs very quickly. Um, here's a lesson. I teach economics uh, from time to time. Um, I don't know if the president really doesn't know how tariffs work. Um, a lot of people don't. He wouldn't be the only one. Or if he's just delusional or if he's just trying to convince other people. Because, you know, sometimes when you know things don't happen, like if I'm talking to someone and I say, yeah, oh, that reminds me of the uh, Battle of um, Barcelona in 75 AD in which the uh, Roman forces uh, had a convincing victory against the Vandals. Okay, battle never happened. But if I talk about it to people that have no idea about Roman history, they'd be like, oh, well, you know, he certainly, I mean, you know, he teaches history. You would think the president, the people dictating economic policy in this country, would know what they're talking about. So tariffs are a tax placed upon goods that are imported. So, um, for example, if you put a tariff on Chinese electronics, then the goods that China uh, exports to the United States will have um, an added tax onto them. Businesses... And, and this is one of the things I teach right off the bat in economics. Businesses are in the business of making money. They're not in the business of doing good. Some of them do. They're not in the business of creating opportunities for disadvantaged group. No, they're in the business of making money. Anything else is secondary, and you hope that they do the other things. A business will simply pass the tariffs on to the consumer. So if, if Chinese goods become... Hit with if they get hit with tariffs, they will simply become more expensive for the American consumer, which is why the president decided to call off tariffs on certain things before Christmas. Well, newsflash, if they're really not hurting the American consumer, why are you calling tariffs off before a major buying part of the year? And the answer is, of course, because uh, some of these guys really, they must know, the people that told him to do this must know, and they must have told him, listen, this is going to hurt the American consumer. And you can't have a consumer-based economy if people cannot afford to consume or if they're going to hold back on consuming. They're not going to buy enough. Um, you know, usually, and the last thing I'll say about tariffs is, usually tariffs are used in order to protect domestic industries. So, for example, if you want people to buy American cars instead of Japanese cars, you put a tariff on Japanese cars so that the option is between buying, let's say, a Chevrolet... And a Honda, the Chevrolet is several thousand dollars less than the Honda because of the tariffs people buy domestic. Um, with China, this is absolutely uh, what 
what are we making domestically here in the United States that China's making? Okay? Nothing. Nothing. Okay? And either when it comes to automobiles, which again, Chinese have not uh, come into that market yet with us, either when it comes to automobiles, um, a lot of other companies, Toyota, Kia, and whatnot, uh, Volkswagen, they're building factories in the United States specifically so that they can avoid this kind of, uh, you know, oh, well, we're just, you know, exporting things to your country. No, they're building them here. They're hiring Americans. Um, this is ridiculous. Uh, tariffs are stupid anyway. Uh, they don't do anything, uh, you know, one time when I have a little bit of excess time, I'll do an entire podcast about what happened in the 1920s and the brilliant imposition of tariffs in order to try and protect American uh, industry and how it led in, in part to um, the Great Depression. It was one of many things. Um, Hong Kong continuing to protest. Trump will not intervene there. Um, you know, he was going to build a hotel at one point there, uh, most likely on their dime because that's how he does things. Uh, now, uh, it's, it's not going to happen. <clears throat> the important thing, though, is that China is very dedicated to the idea that no region gets any kind of special treatment. If you look at what they're doing in the West with the Uyghurs, the Muslim population, uh, they have re-education camps. Um, they are forcing them to conform. Uh, Hong Kong has always enjoyed, at least uh, since uh, it was in 97, I believe, when the British pulled out, it has always enjoyed, the Chinese have been willing to turn a little bit of a blind eye. But what the Chinese will not turn a blind eye, what the, the, the government in Beijing will not turn a blind eye to is protest. Because China is not monolithic. Uh, it is made up of a bunch of different ethnic groups. There are religious groups, especially in the West. There's Tibet. And the worry is that if one region shows its ability to protest, um, that simply opens the door to all of these other regions to potentially be like, well, Hong Kong got away with it. What about us? Uh, the government in Beijing will never allow this to happen. Uh, and so I do fully expect them to um, – I, I use the term crush. Do I think it's going to become a Tiananmen Square? I can't say with certainty it won't be a Tiananmen Square. I think that the Chinese government's going to try and and wait this out a little bit. Um, I was reading an article uh, the other day about how the real hope is that when the school year begins again – a lot of the student protesters will go back to their classes and that this will end and the Chinese government won't have to. But be that as it may, uh, one thing the Chinese government has always shown, they do not have a problem putting these kinds of movements down. They will do so, uh, and they will do so with um, the extreme use of force if need be. Let's hope it doesn't uh, come down to that. Immigration in this country... Um, you know, we're, we're, we're re, uh, redoing the, uh, Statue of Liberty here. Um, now it's, uh, bring me your, your poor, your tired, your huddled masses yearning to breathe free, uh, who have a valid credit card, um, who actually can work. Uh, you know, it used to be that immigrants came to the United States, and I know people will argue with me about this. Well, they always had to prove that they could have something. Yeah, okay. Th there was there was a sense of that, you know, we didn't just want, uh, you know, we, we, we didn't want people coming over 
who had no skills, but you have to remember the following. First of all, there weren't there weren't like there wasn't welfare. There wasn't a welfare system back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So the idea that all these people could come over just to, you know, uh, suckle on the government teat, uh, that's, that's a bunch of malarkey, okay? Uh, didn't happen. Also, people came over, and what did they do? They said, all right, you know, I, maybe I was a farmer in Italy, or I was a farmer in Spain, but now I'm going to, you know, get a job working uh, in a coal mine, or I'm going to get a job working as a fishmonger, or I'm going to learn uh, another trade. Uh, America is full of immigrants coming over, and I mean, for crying out loud, you know, this is the basis of things like Carnegie, you know, coming over, and it's like, hey, I'm I'm going to learn about the whole steel industry, um, you know, I'm going to learn about banking. Um, this is the case today. People come over for various reasons, and we, and we do have a, a process. We do have an immigration process. It's something that, you know, not everyone can just come over. Uh, but we are now entering a slippery slope, you know, guys like Stephen Miller are talking about, you know, that they really don't want any immigration at all. That's, that's the goal. The goal here with the Trump administration is to basically cut down and what you're going to see is, again, you know, when people start feeling the United States is not the place to go to anymore, and it still is, it still is, but then they're going to start looking at other alternatives. And much like, and I've talked about this with uh, several people, and I think I maybe made mention of it in another podcast, and if I haven't, I'll try in the future, with things like the Chinese buying of soybeans – once you vacate a market, once you stop buying from a supplier, you don't just go right back to that supplier the minute things change. You found a new supplier, okay? And that's the thing is, you know, once people start feeling the United States is not the place to go to anymore, okay, they're going to start going to other places or they're just going to stay home. And we're going to be robbed of those brilliant minds that have come over here since the beginning of the country, okay, and and have created, I mean, all of these people that have come over from other countries and have created jobs, have, have been a part of industry, you know, I mean, it, it just go, you can go down the list. I mean, almost every major company is headed by someone who came over here at some point. Uh, we want that. The, the good country, a good country would want intelligent individuals coming over, and people that, that have a drive for things. And right now, we're trying to stop that. Uh, hopefully, it will change, uh, you know, maybe in another year and a half after this administration is out. Who knows? Um, I did want to end talking about um, Israel. Um, <laughs> I'll end with a non-controversial topic, just as I began with one. We talked about the Second Amendment. We'll end with Israel. So, Representatives Talib and Omar uh, have been told they are not going to go. Um, then it was with the Representative Talib, you can go, and uh, but you know you can't say anything negative. She's declined it. Um, what you've got going on right now is something really, really disturbing, and that is the President of the United States of America asking another country to take action 
against his political opponents at home. This is really disturbing. Um, now, the president has, on many occasions, uh, gone after his own political opponents. He's used the office of the presidency to heavily criticize them. Um, you know, he suggested that they, you know, quote, go back to where they came from, even though three of the four women he's talking about were born in the United States. So, you know, going back would mean, you know, the Bronx or, or wherever. I don't know, and all of them are American citizens in any case. But the fact that the president is asking a foreign foreign power to do something about his political opponents, for me, this is extremely worrisome because it just goes to show that the president feels he is above the law and that he is the center of power. Um, remember, according to the Constitution, boys and girls listening in, in school, um, we have co-equal branches of government. There is no branch that is more powerful than the other. Okay, um, The president is not more powerful than Congress. Congress is not more powerful than the president. And the Supreme Court, the same. No one, each of them have their roles. But the fact that Prime Minister of Israel, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, you know, is, is a good buddy of Trump's, uh, you know, they they both have kind of similar views on the way that um, executive power should be used. Okay, Netanyahu doesn't have a whole lot of real concern or, or care about the Knesset in the sense that, you know, he views himself as being this kind of, you know, above the law character. Uh, and Trump is the same way. And it's not surprising that they get along very well. Um a lot of pro-Israel Democrats in APAC have said, no, this is a bad thing. You should let them come over here. You know what? It's like when you stop someone from doing something, all you do is draw attention. Now, had they invited them over there, first of all, I don't believe either of them would have been doing something like leading protest marches through the streets of Ramallah, okay? Um, might they have said something? I, who knows? You know, we'll never know. But you would have been seen, Israel would have been seen as, listen, yeah, these people are opposed to, you know, some of our policies, um, but we invited them here because, you know what, we're a democracy, we have nothing to hide, uh, we have no problem. Listen, we, we accept the fact that not everyone, I mean, in Israel, you have large blocks of people who express the same sentiments as the two representatives from the United States. You have, uh, you know, in the the left block in Israel, people who are opposed to settlements. Uh, this is all part of the pub of the discourse, okay? Uh, this is what happens when you have a democracy, which Israel more or less does. You have debates. People within the country can express dissent. Um, now, I know some people say, well, yeah, but it's different because they're Israelis. I mean, obviously, as an American, you know, I, I feel the, the right to, you know, complain about my government on a daily basis. I could say what I want. Whereas if someone came over to the United States from another country and started bad-mouthing the government, I might have a problem with them. They said, well, why did you come over here? But the fact of the matter is that this is a very particular situation, and it is a situation with a very particular country and Israel. And Israel has been brought in for its fair share, uh, some rightly and some not rightly deserved. Uh, criticism. So what you're dealing with here is you're dealing with the fact that this could have all been avoided by simply 
inviting them over and saying, yeah, okay, you guys, you, you guys, you, you uh, ladies can come over. And then it would have been up to them. If they caused the scene over there, all right, then people would have hammered on them, been like, well, you went over, they invited you, and you made a big scene about things. Uh, instead, now it looks like Israel is trying to uh, clamp down and, and, and prevent people from coming over. Uh, it, it's just a bad look. It's just a bad look. And I think that they would have done much better to simply say, yeah, come over. But like I said, be that as it may, the really disturbing thing is the fact that the president is now attempting to try and get people. I mean, could you imagine if the president said, I don't want these people visiting England. I don't want these political opponents of mine, uh, Democrats. They want to go to England to, uh, you know, watch a football match. I think that they shouldn't be allowed to go because they've said negative things, uh, you know, about Brexit. I mean, there would be outrage. There should be outrage. All public leaders must be held accountable, and they must be constantly reminded that they serve at the pleasure of the people. They are not greater than any individual, um, and that they can be removed from office as quickly as they were put into office. So... With that having said, uh, I can see that I've spoken a little longer than uh, I usually do, but it's been a little while, and I wanted to give all of you, my loyal listeners, um, you know, some updates on what's going on in the world. Uh, I will be trying to put out another podcast in a few days. Um, there are a couple of things that I wanted to do, and what I'm toying with is the idea of, uh, in between these longer podcasts, putting out shorter little, like, eight to ten minute like talks on a topic uh, where I'll just be like, okay, I'm just going to talk about this one particular thing. Boom, eight minutes or less, um, little vignettes. If you have something that you want me to talk about, that you want to hear about, please comment, um, you know, send it over. You can, you can send voicemails through, um, voice messages through the Anchor app. Uh, but let me know. Get in touch and... Um, I'm more than happy to go over any of them, especially if there's a, you know, if a bunch of people write me about something, happy to go over it. In any case, um, until uh, my next podcast, I wish you all the best wherever you are out there. Have a wonderful rest of your day and uh, enjoy. The summer is rapidly coming to a close in the Northern Hemisphere here, so enjoy what of it is left. We will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.